J.P. Feigen with us. Um, J.P. is the newest member of the squad. Welcome to the team, J.P. Thanks, guys. Appreciate what does the, uh, the J.P. stand for? Jean-Pierre. I got asked this yesterday by taking visa. And what's the <laughs> name? And I was like, I have no fucking idea. J.P.? Like, no, no. What does it stand for? Not a clue. So what did you do? On the visa? Passport. Yeah. Oh, right. You looked at the passport. <laughs> That's what you have to do. Yeah. Jean-Pierre. Um, so where are you from, Jean-Pierre? You so are from France, oui? No, not at all. South <laughs> African. I think my parents must have been a little bit uh, on the good stuff when choosing names. Uh, no idea where he comes from. No sort of family history with the name whatsoever. So I have another friend from uh, from Malmesbury. No, I think he's from Malmesbury. He's Malmesbury Jean-Pierre. Yeah. He's a Soti. A Soti. Yeah. yeah. What's a Soti? <laughs> JP, what's a Soti? So it's the uh, English South Africans. So the idea is you've got one foot in Africa, one foot right. in the UK. Yeah. And your nuts are hanging in the ocean, <laughs> so they're salty. Just bring that mic nice and close to you, JP. <laughs> Which is uh, Soti. Soti in, in Afrikaans is salt. Right. So that's that's where the idea comes from. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. They love it, though. South Africans love it. They've got such a such a funny humor, just ripping on each other. You just have to take it. Absolutely. Like, yeah. If you think British and Irish like lad humor is, is is a mark of the man, it's like South African have next level <laughs> Afrikaans insults, like which we definitely can't go into now on this. But probably not. Some of the crazy stuff about like your mom and those yeah. kind of things that you just your little sensitive Guilford soul might not like. Hey, you hear that? I like that. Even in Europe and stuff like the Dutch, some of the Dutch insults are just terrible. Like yeah, oh, that's the yeah. same language. That's pretty much, yeah. Oh yeah, descended from yeah, Dutch. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard a few of those. Yeah. So those are <laughs> it's all on par. It's yeah, all exactly the same stuff. Um. So JP, what? How did you get yourself from? Where did you say you're from? Originally. Originally Johannesburg. Oh yeah. And then uh, went to university in Cape Town, or Stellenbosch University. Amazing. Sports um, science. Yeah. Sports science degree. Uh, they don't really specify so they, there's no sort of um, you know strength and conditioning only or uh, rehab specialist only it's sort of like a broad term as strength uh, sorry sports science uh, so went in and decided to do that you know I was between that and physiotherapy um, so the physiotherapy side I didn't want to get into just because I just get bored uh, the rehab side is great, but I just felt like it wasn't for me. And then, you know, went in, started the degree, and then finally decided, okay, you know, I need some sort of experience, and then went and found a mentor. Uh, he was the, or is the strength and conditioning coach for the uh, university's rugby side. And uh, he sort of got me hooked onto the strength and conditioning side of mm. sports science as a whole. Um, and obviously South Africans rugby it all just works well together yeah. um, so just sort of he took me under his wing and fell in love with with what strength and conditioning actually is so that's how it all started yeah it's, it's, it's hard to get that from just the sports science degree because they make Absolutely. it so general and it's almost yeah. like they kind of lost their uh, lost their place in the world a little bit because people are like Absolutely. well I kind of want to do this but now everything is so specialized it's like I can't now I have to go and do another degree yeah like I can't yeah. just jump straight from that into something else yeah. um, what do you do on a sports science degree so with our degree it, like Matt said it is extremely general so I mean 
and you obviously cover the basics, your physiology, your anatomy, biomechanics, uh, ex- exercise physiology, sports physiology. Um, but then it gets to sort of like, okay, so we're going to do injuries. So we covered uh, sports injuries and rehabilitation. Then like, okay, let's do um, management, sports management. Ah, so there's yeah, a, okay. a sports management course. So they're just trying to cover all bases. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's a coaching course. Um, and then in our in our third year, you get to specialize. So we had three specializations. We had um, fitness or strength and conditioning, uh, coaching or uh, strength and conditioning for persons with disabilities. Okay. So I decided to double up and did strength and conditioning and strength and conditioning for persons with uh, disabilities. Um, like what disabilities? Ranging from cerebral palsy to pretty much anything, visual impairments, um, right. Uh, hearing impairments uh we worked a lot with uh down syndrome um so that was extremely interesting how these these guys first of all they adults stuck in young people's bodies or minds um you know extremely talented in the sense of you know being humble you know the psychological part of it they such lovely people but at the same time you look at the physical capabilities and it's you know, quite horrific to be honest. You know, proprioceptive isn't there, kinesthetic awareness just isn't there. So we did extensive work with um, sort of like a an institute that handles uh, people with Down syndrome. So we worked in collaboration with them. Um, so that was quite sort of like a humbling experience. Mm. They still um, get it done though. Like there was the Special Olympics here in Abu Dhabi, was it a couple of months back? And I remember watching the some of the the powerlifting absolutely the, yeah, the down yeah. syndrome guys yeah. and girls like jesus christ they're still fucking strong yeah no yeah. doubt no doubt it's unreal is there different grades of down syndrome is there different levels i think there's there is but not Kinda massively gross. yeah yeah so the whole idea is they've they've got an extra chromosome right so it's it's quite weird one of our lecture uh, one of our lecturers would say we say that they are they are persons with uh, uh, with a disability, but they've got an extra chromosome. So why aren't they persons with an extra ability? Extra, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was quite you know um, contradictory. But as to levels, I mean, uh, it it seemed like we saw different levels. So you know, the, the, the their speech can be quite affected. Um, their sight, vaguely, vaguely from what what I experienced, I didn't yeah. notice anyone sort of like severe visual impairments or anything like that. But a, as a whole, I mean, the, the, the group that we were with wasn't extensively, you know, they couldn't do anything. They were just, you know, all happy to participate and get out of the institution as a whole. And then, uh, like I said, under the guidance of our lecturer, we sort of just got them through, you know, basic games that you would play with, with, with kids, with to kids, be honest, yeah. you know. You know, grab a beanbag and throw it in the basket for me, you know. Balance on this... Uh, as guess you could call it a balancing beam but it's massive you know because they're very scared of being a foot higher than what they actually are mm. um so like i said their kinesthetic awareness and their proprioceptive is sort of like a must that needed to be worked on yeah and it's just about like i said earlier as well they sort of this older person stuck in a young person's body so you got to create sort of an entertaining environment and just have them have fun as much as possible yeah, I see. Uh, I see Anya's training. That guy, I don't know what his name is. Yeah, I, I can't. Uh, 
Mahmoud or Mahmoud, that's it. Yeah, he's a cool little kid, and I'm looking at the videos that she's made. He's come on loads, just from absolutely. running around and climbing, and just yeah. knowing where his feet are. And yeah, absolutely. He loves it. Playing, dancing to the shark song all the time. <laughs> shark song. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what age he is though. He is very young, so like it's it's a challenge to train somebody that young in general. Yeah, absolutely. How to make things interesting for them. I can't can imagine what it's how difficult it is to yeah to train someone. The thing is, they get bored so easily as well. So that's a big thing. So you got to keep them sort of entertained. So you got to have like okay, station one, you'll spend ten minutes maximum there, and then be like okay, let's try figure something else out. Have a different station. You're still tackling exactly what you yeah. did throughout every single station. It's just incorporating. You change one little thing, and it'll be completely different to them, which is which is helpful to and be honest a group of people as well which is hard to manage as well yeah. so what else did you do in the university you did that what other disabilities did you cover or did you work with so i worked extensively with a with a paralympic javelin throw which was quite um quite awesome uh, he had cerebral palsy he was sort of he had spasticity within his uh left and yeah left leg and right arm if i'm not no sorry both left side from left uh, arm and leg um so movements became quite challenging doing certain things especially with basic pattern squat and hinge within the hip because of the spasticity spasticity he would lean into one side a lot more than the other side um you throw with his right though no oh he, he threw with his left. yeah so it became quite a quite a challenge so no um just coming up with different ways to to be able to work the muscle groups that he needed to work. Um, but at the same time, you know, you can't put these guys in a bubble. You gotta train the crap out of them. Yeah. You gotta train them. That's 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 the, the what gist age of it. Is he? he was, if I'm not mistaken, late twenties, early thirties. Oh, yeah. yeah, so older gentleman. Um, he was Rio champion, if I'm not mistaken. Oh wow. Um, For South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. So very talented, very, very good at what he did. Um, obviously, just uh, mentally, mentally he wasn't strong enough to sort of, you know, put in the, the actual hard yards because, you know, natural ability, he was there. You know, it wasn't much that we needed to do, but sort of let himself go, gets a little bit of a gut and things like that. And uh, now it's time to lose weight. But, you know, the minute you get his heart rate above 150 he's that's it you know he doesn't want to do anything else uh so that was that was the challenging part for us uh, not so much you know figuring out how to do different kinds of movements um but in saying that i mean we you know with things like that you use the smith machine quite a lot mm. uh you do use the hammer strength equipment quite a lot uh it's just you know it helped yeah a, a great amount um try to do you know a lot of eccentric work to help with the spasticity of the of the the joints themselves so I try to do a lot of eccentric work of certain muscle groups um did it help it helps but at the same time there's no there's no curing the spasticity yeah. spasticity sorry yeah uh, there's no curing it so i mean you know we d also you don't want to over excite the muscle it's already so excited you know the the, the it's so hypertonic as is you know you don't want to increase because that that will happen you can increase the 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 tonic of the muscle it can get more tonic if if that makes sense um but it's just not going to get too much looser yeah 
you know so that that was a, a big eye-opener and again working with Electra as sort of like a guide um, to how to approach his training um, but like I said I mean there's so many ways you can train these guys it's it's actually sometimes it's more fun than training sort of able-bodied people when yeah, was there's definitely more th problems to be solved in exactly your career, exactly you know? it makes you makes you think which is yeah, nice yeah yeah it and also shows you that like there's not one textbook way of doing things absolutely because you can't stick to the textbook when no. that happens so you've got to you've got to reverse engineer what you want to achieve and figure out figure out how you can make it work with this certain case um when was rio what year was rio 2012 so had he already been to rio when you met him yeah yeah so he came back um Sorry, he came second in Rio. He won London. He came second in Rio. Um, and that was sort of like a turning point for him where he realized that natural ability can only take you so far. Oh you yeah. have to put in some hard yards. Um, so that's when I I joined because he, he was working with a particular coach and I had been working with uh, the able-bodied athletes under the same coach. And he was happy with the progress that I had made with the with the the able body yeah. javelin throws, and he decided, okay, well, let me have a go at it, yeah, and see how we would get on. Um, no, to be honest, I didn't work with him long enough to see a great amount of difference. Um, but in saying that, he he has won uh, national championships cool. and things like that, so. You know whether or not I made an actual impact, who knows? Yeah, it's always so tough to tell, though. That's, yeah. that's in any sort of instance. But it must be harder for a disabled athlete because if it's anything like the UK, like the funding just isn't there on the Paralympic side. I mean, it's definitely uh, yeah. getting better, at least in the UK. But the amount of coaches and the amount of resources that those teams have uh, available is way, way, way yeah, less. Yeah, than absolutely. The, uh, yeah, no, it's crazy. So even. Uh, there were two two SNC coaches at the university, myself and another coach who was was working with the with the athletes with disabilities, and we had uh, a discus thrower. She she was uh, quadriplegic. She was in a wheelchair. Um, can't remember exactly what had happened, what her injury was, um, but you know she had to take taxis from wherever she lived to the, yeah, the, yeah. the high performance center every day. And it's like, well, okay, but because she's traveling in a taxi and the South African taxis are those minibuses, now her wheelchair takes up a seat and she so she had to pay for both seats. Oh, no. And it's a lady who's already sort of less fortunate than others yeah. to begin with. And now she's got to pay for two seats and now, you know, trying to get that type of funding out of SASCOC, which is a South African committee, yeah, Olympic committee, um just wasn't happening so then you got to figure out new ways as to okay you know am i the one who needs to go and fetch her mm. you know do i have the space do i have the time yeah. to to run from okay i've just finished with this athlete i got to get in the car go fetch her come back and then train her do we have that time so like you say matt the, the funding just just for for the paralympic side of any i think any committee within the world is just not as high as what it needs to be yeah, but that's often yeah. the reason why those guys end up kind of becoming second, and then now we're back down to the national levels. It's Absolutely. like because now I really need the physios, and now I need the sports psychologists, yeah. and it's yeah. like nope. Exactly. So there's just yeah, there's just not enough 
sort of attention drawn to them. And I think it, it is changing here, as we can see in Dubai, it's changed a little bit, or the UAE with the uh, the Special Olympics that's gone on, and they're trying mm. to make things more aware, which is awesome. But to get it anywhere near where the, the actual Olympics are right now, there's nowhere near. It's going to take some time. Yeah. it's it all. A lot of it comes from the... Because uh, what London did very well with the Paralympics after the Olympics was they made a big deal about it. Yeah, absolutely. The public yeah. were very invested in it. So the yeah. public were, were happy to sit and to watch because maybe the media was a bit more supportive. But, they, you know, like watching the Olympics here, I didn't have any interest in it. And I was trying to figure out why. And I remember talking to a gym manager in the old gym and he was kind of slating it as well. But I was kind of realized when you're in the UK and Ireland, I don't know about South Africa, but there's an event coming on, some random event, like some javelin thing. The TV channel knows there's an Irish con competitor or there's a British competitor. So they do a little bit, a little 15-minute bit on yep. the competitor just before the event. So now you're sitting there watching this the afternoon. You actually get a bit of an emotional attachment to this person because yep. you know all about their background and their history and how they, how they train. So you really sit and you watch and you root for them. And then you sort of follow their progress through the tournament or through the whatever competition. But that was happening for the Paralympics as well in yeah. 2012. You were getting little snippets of profiles yeah, absolutely. about this athlete who trains here. And like you said, gets a taxi, has to pay for two seats, has to get a bus to get in and get out of the bus all by themselves, wheels their wheelchair, pays for everything themselves. So then you get that emotional attachment to the person. Then you watch it and they become way more inspirational and way more admirable almost than the pros. Who yeah, yeah. They still work hard, the pros, but it's not a case of dealing with a disability. So I think that's the kind of stuff that if people, if, if medias and TV channels can channel that a bit better, it, it will start with them because it hits you in the feelings, you know, you're watching. Yeah. I spoke to a guy here, Sujith, who's an Indian dude, and he broke his back in a motorbike accident. And he lives in Sharjah. He gets the metro. So he wheels his wheelchair to the metro station, trucks all the way up, gets the metro to, D to downtown, then he gets off, wheels his wheelchair all the way to the uh, to the gym. He needs a mate of his to help because you wouldn't think about this. Maybe not. I never thought about it. But like when he picks up a weight, he's not strong in his core, so his lever system is off. Absolutely, so he has to yeah. strap himself to everything almost yeah. to get a stable base to do the shoulder press, the bicep curl, whatever. So he's done all that on his way. He's done like an hour of traveling, wheeling his wheelchair to the gym. Then he's got to strap himself in, which is another ordeal when you're fatigued, when you're tired after doing your thing. And then he does it all the way back. Yeah, and he's doing tough. he's doing that like every every twice every second day, twice a week, three times a week. Yeah, it's crazy the the, the commitment that people have to to their health when that's the when that's the level. So those I think once you well, any, any human has the human side. When you hear those stories, you go whoa. Yeah, like fair play. Like yeah, yeah. But like like you were saying as well as you know you get this emotional attachment to them, and it's like okay so. You know, if you didn't have that emotional attachment, are you actually a coach? Let's put it that way. Because at the same time, you know, are you in coaching just to give someone a piece of paper to say this is what your workout is? Or are you there to actually make a difference and yeah. change lives? Um, so this person has a goal. You know, what is your goal as a coach? Are you actually going to help the person or are you just going to yeah. sit on your ass and be like, yeah, fuck them? Yeah, yeah I'm not bothered. It's, just, it's just a paycheck. Yeah, exactly. So that's it's a big question. I remember when I started out as a PT, I would have a new client, and I was young. 
So I have a new client that I wouldn't really know. I don't know anything about them. They've just come in off the street, and I'm just like, oh, this person's hard work. And I would go session after session after session. And I haven't, don't really know the person still. They're very quiet. They're shy. They're timid. It's all, it's all a, a massive effort. But then they'll say one or two things at some point in the future that just gets in under the radar, and then you suddenly find yourself endeared to them. And then four months later, they're still training with you. They become one of your favorite clients, you know, because you had this like almost what's like detached relationship for such a while, and then you suddenly got deep into it. Yeah, that taught me the lesson of right. If I if you're having w- an experience like that with one of those clients, find out something about them as soon as possible, and yeah. it just bypasses your sort of your barriers and it bypasses your own uh, subconscious laziness. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, then you become right, really attached to this person's goals and this person's journey. Instead of just sitting there going, right, when is the end of this session? Yeah, yeah, right. exactly, yeah. Um, I, d- I, wonder, I always wonder, do people pick up on that? Do clients pick up on that? Like, do they come in, do they dread training with me? Yeah, well, it's always, it's meeting anybody new is always a bit sort of like, okay, who the fuck is this guy? Do you know, are they going to be an asshole? Am yeah. I gonna be, like, <laughs> just hating this, you know. True. Um, and yeah, like the second you start talking and yeah, you start becoming a human being rather than just another walking piece of meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's why road rage happens because like you don't see the person, you see the car, right? Yeah, it's like exactly, it's exactly, four yeah. Four. But you don't know, it could be some sweet old lady. She's yeah. lost, You're like you mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or someone who's, like someone cuts you off in traffic. Yeah. yeah. You instantly blame them for being a rude, see you next Tuesday. But yeah. then you find out that they're yeah. trying to rush home to somebody sick or they've got a, a dog in the back that's bleeding yeah absolutely man do you want to know what the, the technical term for that is i think jp does yeah F- fundamental attribution error there, there we go. go that's, that's the you one get for paying for the masters <laughs> <laughs> terms like those that. three words Fund- what is it fundamental, fundamental attribution, attribution error is yeah. in you've attributed a like a, a an identity to this person that is incorrect like this guy's yes. a wanker because he's cut me up or he's not he, as you say is dog might be dying in the back and he's trying yeah. to get to the vet like but so, yeah. do you do you think that your your fae is so uh, your that is related to your perception of thinking so meaning that yeah like if you're you a know, racist yeah exactly <laughs> of course suddenly everybody's like everyone is horrible race of people yeah so you know something is only bad if you think it is bad yeah if you think it to be that way so if yeah. you know if an Irishman cuts me off in traffic, I'm going to hate every Irishman. Mm. You know, that's, that's just my thinking behind it, which is obviously flawed, which sure, creates yeah. your, your, your attribution of error. I mean, yeah. to a certain extent, it's, I mean, it's not necessary, but it's, it's just a, it's kind of a laziness thing, but it's also just an efficiency thing. It's like, I don't, there are so many people around me, I don't have time to individually assess everybody's character. Yeah. Therefore, if I can just make some quick cognitive shortcut and there I can judge you as that yeah. right sweet I don't have to spend any time yeah. thinking about it, it. Yeah, generalization right yeah exactly which mm-hmm. is why like conversation helps okay first off maybe they're not that way why if I find out yeah. something about them then instantly go. that goes yeah there's that thing there's that, I don't know if it's the, the Buddha or where you like that understanding is the first is the best way to lose your anger like if you are in traffic you are having a bad day somebody cuts you off and you do get the road rage. Like, what's the one thing? There's not, there's not a magic spell. There's not a pill you can take. The one thing that'll get you to s- instantly switch off your rage feelings is understanding that person's got a pregnant lady in the back. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Instantly, your anger is gone. Absolutely. <laughs> so does it? Does it? Like, does that phrase? Does that kind of thought mentality where you do say like, "Oh, if I think that guy's a prick, everyone's going to be a prick." Yeah. Mm. But if I think there's something going on there that I don't understand, maybe that's you know, it's not a bad thing. Or if I go one step further and I go, "How amazing that is." that this guy's got a person in the back that's giving birth like how amazing it is that that caught me off then you actually get a positive positive spin it's not just like oh I don't know what's going on so I won't get angry it's like well let me just fundamentally attribute this error (laughs) of that that guy is on his way to save five people's lives because he's a doctor and he's on his way to a blood whatever it may be Yeah. yeah So you kind of spin it all there. That definitely reflects your, your ways of thinking. Mm. Until the next guy cuts you up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, though, if you, it, yeah, if you lower your expectations of people, you tend to get less annoyed. Like if yeah. you expect mm. to drive on those roads here the way they drive in the UK, orderly, slow, indicate, mirror signal maneuver, jolly, good, hello, good, <laughs> sir, after you, please. Yeah, like you if go. you tr- show up here and try to drive like that, more I'll forget f- it. More fool you. It always makes me laugh when I'm like, my mom said on Skype the other day, she's like, oh, they just had a near miss on the road. And I was like, all right, gone. It's like, this guy just literally is maybe a car length in front of me, just came right <laughs> to my lane. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, there's, it's a, it's a hair, a yeah. hair length in front of me, and you somehow missed me. But you get on <laughs> with your day. I remember being in Vancouver and I was really wide streets, like trees in the middle of the road, big, massive, like 100 year old trees so much space on these streets and on the other side of the road there's two cars stopped at the light and there's a guy he's got out of the second car and he's marched up to the front car banging on the window there's no other cars in either there's three lanes they're in the middle lane and he's screaming you cut me off man he's screaming at him Mm. like it is the most personally insulting thing that's ever happened to this guy and i'm just walking slowly along going what a psycho like what a head case to think (laughs) firstly to get that annoyed over why he cut you off there's, yeah. there's so much space on these roads. Like, what did he, how did he cut you off? And then to think it's acceptable to get so angry, to yeah. get out of your car and march. Like, what's, what's When you get point? that angry, so you're not even thinking anymore. Like, now you're yeah. red and you're yeah. just on autopilot. It's so weird. You're just going to potentially get in a fight and end up in the hospital by the end of the day. because or prison. Yeah. Because there somebody go. just drove in front of you a little bit. Like, lower your expectations of people and just breathe yeah it's hard though like when you you know if you were to look at his morning he's probably been like you know he was hungover yeah like he was in it late for work yeah. Yeah. and he's just like and this was just the last bit it's like right now i'm off yeah but there's certain times when you have all those stuff stacked on your mind you're like oh shit mm. like you don't get angry because you're like oh just uh, there's another punch to the gut fuck okay yeah. <laughs> like when you're hanging you know if you're hung over and you can't get, you can't eat and then you get like you go to the fridge finally and you take something out of the fridge and you drop everything on the floor you're like oh yeah shit like you're not raging it's just like yeah but I think that's just fatigue isn't it I yeah just can't <laughs> summon the uh, yes, like necessary exactly. emotions so I'm so beaten up right now I just cannot fucking get angry about that there's <laughs> no point is there uh, so back to you then JP there's a weird segue then yeah sorry fundamentally <laughs> attributing errors to people <laughs> and clients uh, so what you f- when, did you, when did you graduate and you moved over here so I graduated in what year are we in 2017 yeah 2017 and then um, 
I was sort of in a in a in a bit of a rut whether or not I should stay in South Africa and you know stay in Cape Town in Cape Town stay at the university and work sort of as a freelance for the university or if I should come back here is Stellenbosch a massive university if I'm not mistaken there's about 53,000 students Jesus so yeah, it's, it's quite a it's quite a big one St. Mary's was like a thousand like yeah. 750 like I was yeah. down there but I, I only drove around the outside of one section of it and I yeah. couldn't really I wanted it I was really interested to check it out but I didn't have time yeah so I mean we've got well to be fair we've got three campuses as as a whole so you've got the Stellenbosch campus then you've got uh, the Tigerberg campus uh, which is closer towards Cape Town uh, which is more sort of the the medical campus as you will because it's right next to the Tigerberg hospital and then you've got the um there's another campus if i'm not mistaken it's called brockenfell it's just another area i could be mistaken to be honest uh, so the three campuses and obviously all three campuses make up the the total number did you stay on campus when you there yeah so i stayed on campus my first two years did you stay in a um, house i was stayed in residence is that that building with like seven floors yeah pretty much so ours was on? three hours was three floors okay. uh, so it was one of the the smaller ones but i was on the third floor um so yeah residents all boys and it, it's what did you do for your initiation what didn't we do let's put it that way uh so there's there's These weird things are so wild man if you thought that like simi's initiations were so our initiation wasn't i mean to be honest you get you get into university and it's very much like the the american system you know you join a frat or, or, or yeah. uh, whatever it's called and you're um, the floor in your building yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yours was your whole floor was like your gang. It wasn't really the gang, but it was sort of like all the first years. You know, all the first years, okay, this is it. You come in and you get treated like you back at kindergarten. <laughs> you know, okay, everyone, you know, this is how you're going to dress. You dress in your first year's uniform. And Which is what? Man, it's like, you know, shitty shorts, sports shorts with a polo and a cap. <laughs> and you just got that's how you got to walk around every day every damn day for the last i think it was first three months of university so everyone on campus knew exactly that you were first oh. year and this is it you got to tuck your polo in you got to look like a wanker and i would have hated that and, and then, what if you didn't even you're what a wanker. If, i mean so you know a big thing was you know they would say that they would prolong the fact of us going out because we weren't allowed to go out we weren't allowed, we weren't to, allowed drink. to drink yeah we that's is that a common thing i keep interrupting because my mate lived there yeah. on one of the floors and he told me his stories where they weren't allowed they were given permission to drink on like the second last month yeah, the, so I was, yeah. Like the fourth, yeah so i was like fourth or fifth month of the m of the year yeah like okay this is when you're allowed to drink and they would say okay if you screw up we're just going to prolong it and prolong it and the thing is you know it's you obviously don't want to keep screwing up because i mean it's been three months you haven't had a beer you had university and all it is you want to do is go out and have a beer and see what university life is all about um so it was that that was just an, a, a bit of a nightmare uh so yeah literally like okay you gotta walk in walk in a line it's like, come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 20 years old or 21 years old. It's like, I've got to go walk in a line with a bunch of other 20-year-olds oh. and pretend to, to, and this is your to enjoy floor, this. People you've never met before. And this is, yeah, this is, I think we were 200 guys. and it's just All guys. Yeah, all guys. And then... What happens if the guys just don't get it? 
like your fellow ha- ha- man, housemates you, you get it trust me you learn to get it and then we had to know every single senior's name so you got to know his name his surname where he was from Ooh. what he was studying and if you didn't sorry we prolong your 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 stage of drinking it's just it got you know you kind of get fed up um definitely and you know you think Jeez, I'm I'm 20 years old or whatever it is. The last thing on planet Earth I want to be doing is standing in a flipping line, uh, walking to the next res to sing a song. You know, that's you got to go out and sing damn songs and <laughs> things like that. Just what like, songs did you have to sing? Oh man, I couldn't even I couldn't even remember. It's just you know the whole initiation like, part. Like Oasis dumb. songs or like University House songs? No, we didn't actually have University House songs right. that much, uh, but so we had you have sort of different things so they called the one fenceless which in is a translation of windows theoretically so each residence will hold like a, a a dance and people would sing and dance and whatever it is like a put on a show on stage and you know parents can come watch and that's all like part of your initiation and um for for your for the university, to watch your initiation. They can if they oh. want to. It's a it's a dog show, <laughs> um, and you know for the rest of the university, this is like the best thing ever. Best thing ever because yeah. you can. It's about getting drunk, walking the streets of the university, going to from residence to residence, watching all these first years dance, and then <laughs> everyone is like having a great time, and you dead sober on a stage, you know, where you need liquid confidence the, at the most <laughs> to help you get through this dance that you need to do. Oh. Like um, a choreographed that? Are you just going to freestyle? It's all choreographed. No, no right. it's all choreographed. It's, you know, you have to build a stage. You have to wow. put up banners and things like that. Holy shit. So that is literally it's the first... It's wild, man. It's so, yeah, that, so cool. That's crazy. the first two two weeks of sort of like your university life is you building a stage, you <laughs> painting banners. You're, you're doing cor- your own grave. And it's and you're just... building your coffin. I mean, obviously you get the, the one or two uh, seniors that, you know, like uh, we don't give a shit, have a beer... Or you know, also the, you though. yeah. But the thing is, it, it it was it was crappy in that sense. Like, but at the same time, you meet some some good guys because you're all in the trenches together and you're all having a shit time together. So <laughs> you know, you all you all sort of like, okay, you know, this is this is crap. But you know, you you learn to make a mate, and then sometimes on weekends, some weekends you were allowed to go away, some weren't. Um, so obviously my folks being here in Dubai, I was just stuck on campus in that residence 24 um, seven. So you end up being someone's little bitch, you know, <laughs> carry this and go to my room, get me that. And it's just like, you know, if I, if I wanted to go to kindergarten, I would have gone to kindergarten. Oh, you yeah. know. What age were you? Uh, you were 20. Yeah, nineteen twenty. Because I went back to St. Mary's when I was 23 and there was about a quarter as severe as what you were describing. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And I did, that was, yeah, but you had to join. That only happened within the sports team. So, no, it wasn't like your residence. It was if I went to play rugby, I had to do an initiation. I had to do what the second and third years told me to do. I had to do this. Yeah. I had to do whatever. Yeah. And I was 23 and they were like 19, 20, 21, 22. So I was yeah. like, nah, I'm not yeah, doing this. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. I, so I didn't play for the first year. I just couldn't hack it. I, yeah. I, got, I got the buzz about it. I couldn't hack being older than them and being told what to do. Uh, that was like me as well because I took a gap year, right? So I took a gap year um, and then went back then. The second years were my age or whatever it is. Yeah. And you're like, are you seriously trying to tell me what to do? 
Um, but you sort of just go along with it and, you know, it's always, it's quite funny. It's always sort of like, I guess, the uh, the kids that that didn't, I guess, make the cool group in that sense, you know, who are the ones who try to boss you around the most. Yeah. And, you know, they, they've got some sort of authority. They've never had authority yeah. and they were bossed around the most in their first year so now they got authority and now they're trying to be the big man yeah. and be like oh go to my they're room they the most scared in their first year exactly yeah. exactly so you know that that was demoralizing that sounds funny though whereas the ones in the UK that there's always more of a sort of a homoerotic viciousness about it and like yeah. uh, we're yeah. just gonna like humiliate you in a funny way yeah no, we we got humiliated but not nowhere near things like that because I mean to be fair kids these days have gotten quite soft uh, so like if we had to be humiliated in that way or even the ways we were humiliated we had guys phoning mom and dad and then you got mom and dad phoning the university and the residents right. and then and then the guys obviously get into trouble and then they're like okay cool we're just going to prolong your drinking yeah. even more yeah, yeah. stop being little babies yeah, they got banned officially in the UK like they weren't yeah. allowed to use public spaces for initiations in yeah. anymore yeah we but used to boys used to like boys used to make each other get naked. Yeah, it was always do, like, naked. Push ups, yeah, yeah, push yeah. up with your with your parts, dipping into your beer, and then you had to drink your beer. Yeah, like all that kind of. It's all weird. There's one in uh, the rugby lads in the residence I was in. They all took a picture of how many of them, how many naked dudes they could fit in one shower, and one of those dudes ended up becoming a convicted pedophile. Oh, he was involved in that. Yeah, and he was right there, dead center in the picture. So he's, he was actually loving life. Yeah, and it's a, <laughs> but it was just like I. I don't get what this is. Yeah, that, like I understand yeah. what you want. All right, yeah, we're going to take the piss and you're going to dance on stage. Like, yeah, I mean that's yeah. bad, but like they, they did I a, don't know what this is doing. No, <laughs> the, the, um. from one of the ones that my friend had to do in Stellenbosch. She does. You've got a you've got a building that's like seven floors. Yeah, it's a residence called Halswechter. So yeah. he's on one of the floors in that one. Yeah, and uh, they did all that. Don't make you drink. You have to you, you, you you have dance to do around. They had to walk up some hill. Yeah, in, in the distance. Yeah. And then I can't remember what the source, something to do with this hill in the dark. Then they went back down and they lined up in the corridor down below on the one of the lower floors. And then some like elder guy, some guy who's like seven years in uni or something, hadn't mm. left yet. Oh, they were all blindfolded. <laughs> they were all blindfolded. And he, they heard him like he had a stick or a bat. So they heard him like dunk, dunk, <laughs> dunk as he yeah. came down all the stairs, whatever. Took ages. He finally comes down. And he pulls them one by one. And I don't know if they knew what floor they were on or they went upstairs all the way up with this guy one by one into this room where they had the window open. And they marched him up to these up these little makeshift steps to the edge of the of the room and they could feel the breeze coming in and he's like, Right, you're gonna jump. Yeah. Blindfolded. And they were like, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> and the, there's loads of other seniors in the room. They're all yeah. egging him on, he's got his blindfold on. It's like Count three, we're going to jump. If you don't jump, this is going to happen. If you do jump, you're free and you're finished and everything's... You can, you can go have a drink. go about your life as a yeah. normal student. So one by one, the guys would jump on this like top floor thing, but they'd immediately land on the bed in the room. Yeah. And then the whole room would be like, yeah, <laughs> finished. But this was like seven stories above all the rest of the guys down below. Like, yeah. So the rest of the gang, rest of the floor was still waiting on the ground floor, not knowing what was going on. And one by one, they were just throwing these guys off this step onto the bed just inside the room, inside the window. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. And then from there, their thing was cleared and they could beer and they could party. Yeah, and they could that's yeah. fun. Like, that's appropriate. Like you say, yeah. like, then yeah. you meet mates and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah I never quite got the UK ones. No. <laughs> so, yeah, they didn't do that in Ireland. There was literally nothing like that in, in Ireland when I was in uni in Dublin. 
you just I can't even remember if there was initiations I remember being so like surprised by this initiation in the UK we were told you have to bring a bear's egg to the first session a what egg? a bear's egg a bear's egg yeah what's a bear's egg don't know just gotta bring it <laughs> so everybody was like spending the first day you find out we found out that morning you gotta bring a bear's egg so I didn't go to that day I was like this is too much for me I'm not doing this. I'm not playing rugby this year. I, I made a decision at like, party, the session was at 7 p.m. I made a decision at like 20 past 6. I'm, fuck all this. I'm not doing it. Turns out a bear's egg is a coconut. Right? You've got to bring a coconut. Fine. Some boys brought it. Some boys got it horrendously wrong. Some guys were told by the, the sound guy in the corner, mate, just take your shit in a lunchbox and just bring your lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> So what happened then was, because the next year I went to it as a second year, bypassed that whole bullshit, went in. All the first years would come in, in the dark, and the, the second, third years would just be whistling that funeral song, like whatever the funeral song is, mm. whistling in the dark. Lights came on, everybody just started lobbing their beers, their plastic cups, their plastic bottles of like blue bucket at these first years, just all by the wall, dressed as schoolgirls, while everyone else was dressed as, as schoolboys. So one by one, they had to get up on stage and be like, hi, my name is Matt Cottrell. Where are you from, Matt? I'm from Guildford. All right, Matt, show us your bear's egg. If you had the coconut, it was like, you. All right, Matt, what position are you? Scrum half. Okay, go hang out to scrum half in the corner over there. And you'd have to join the gang in the corner, and then they would decide, the second theories would decide what you do. Some people had some horrendous stuff to do. Some people just got given like two crates of beer between however many got boys. You're not moving that chair until you finish them. You're not taking a piss. Finish all those beers. One by one, the guys were like, lunchbox, poo. <laughs> like, all this horrendous stuff. Like, you couldn't imagine what people thought these bear's eggs were. And then the guy, oh, you had to, they had to drink their drink. So you'd have your bear's egg and you'd have to have a pint up on the, st on the stage on a chair. And when you finished drinking your drink, you had to do a thing called EGing it. I don't know what EG stands for, but you had to double tap your gl empty glass off your chest. And if you didn't do it, you'd drink another drink. Mm. So most of the guys knew this for somehow, but most of the, a lot of the guys didn't. So they'd get up, they'd knack their drink, and they'd just get down. The whole crowd would, no! So the guy on the stage would make him get back onto the stage. There's another drink, mate. Finish it. And he did, like people were doing four or five pints <laughs> before they'd go like, okay, we have to stop. It's too much. Go, yeah. Just go away. Like, just crazy. That was, that was the extent. That was one night of our initiation done on your way. Yeah, that's... And I skipped it because I was one of those boys who just did not want to take that crap from the old boys which is fair <laughs> yeah. yeah down syndrome down syndrome <laughs> yeah. back, back to it um, good times though university what did you do in university like what as in did you have any jujitsu initiations uh, they, they tried to do one but everybody who was in the MMA club was just kind of older so there was one guy who kept trying to get it going they were like dude just fuck off <laughs> <laughs> no one cares yeah yeah exactly and in that sort of environment, cause some of the guys are like serious sort of Muay Thai guys. It wasn't, there was no threat of violence there. It's like, I will beat the fuck out of yeah, you. Yeah, I'll strangle Easy. you until yeah. you pass out. And and we'll put yeah. you to sleep if you say that again. But yeah. we went to, um, what was that? Oh, it was church. That was it. You know, uh, Sunday yeah. church. There's a club that was open on Sunday, right when church started. On Sunday morning. It would drink a vodka at like 7 a.m. Like strippers on stage and stuff. And everyone's like, <laughs> oh yeah, like the most sinful thing. Yeah, whatever. Whatever sinful, right, we're doing it. Yeah. yeah, but no, there's nothing like that. No, nobody was. No, nobody was. Particularly, yeah, no, no, yeah. No. What was the other sport you did? That was, yeah. Well, before that, I was rowing, but that wasn't. 
There was a few, there was a couple of little initiation things, but it was just drinking beers and stuff. I was like the youngest guy in the crew, like 18. Yeah. So it's like, right, here's Have another beer. beer, here's another bit, here's yeah. another bit. Here's but it was nothing, yeah, none of that humiliating, get naked shit. Well, we've got some good ideas now. JP's got his PTC initiation. That's true, yeah. Just stand up at the croft and sing, yeah. sing one of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> sing some songs. Yeah. Just bring a polo so I can walk around in shorts and polo. Yeah, and bring, a, bear, bring yeah. a bear's egg. <laughs> <laughs> There we oh. go. So, what's happening nowadays? Then, what are your, what are your dreams and hopes and aspirations, JP? So, at the moment, I mean, I'm obviously very fortunate enough to be working with you guys uh, regarding the uh, youth development stuff, um, which is no idea that I actually wanted to do it before I started doing it. That's cool. Um, so, obviously, leaving uni, uh, I was like, you know, much like every every strength and conditioning coach leaving uni, ah, you got to work in professional sport. No, and you know those those hopes and dreams sort of get I I wouldn't say get shattered, but (laughs) they get they get checked because you know you've got however many thousands and thousands of graduates and about fifteen jobs all in the professional sector. And now, how how in the hell are you with zero experience and a degree? You know, most basic degree that you can probably get. going and getting a professional gig so you know applying for jobs and things like that straight out of uni i was uh, like i said i got a kick in the head you know when you're applying for assistant jobs and guys are like dude you need to be um doing internships and i sort of didn't didn't want to do that whole whole spiel because i had been sort of interning throughout my last two years at university anyways um under my mentor so i thought you know as we all do you're worth more than what you're doing and i saw you know i was trying to see the dollar signs before the actual understanding of what to go through how to become an snc coach and sort of the the i guess the grunt work that you actually have to do to go to the professional side of things um so you know it went from working wanting to work with professional athletes to thinking you know collegiate level is pretty cool um you know but obviously at the same time you know can you actually make an influence before collegiate level because the the couple of teams that i i was working with funny enough the, the javelin throwers before they came in uh before they started with me and this is first second year at university these guys still can't squat they still can't hinge they still can't throw you know they can throw obviously because they javelin throws but they can't uh pull properly or whatever it may be so you know the 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 training age you got to look at it is practically zero um so that was a big eye opener and then coming this side coming to dubai or deciding to come to dubai uh, you know getting into the personal training um it was a a big struggle for me because i'm obviously used to guys who already understand what their goals and their their dreams are and things like that and wanting to go and be like okay you know this is i'm I'm an athlete i want to become a better athlete you know help me sort of get there where you know the personal training side of things it was you know the uh you know gotta tell johnny you listen you being fat is not a good thing for your health you know so that was a, a a big adjustment, um, and then and with the pros as well, you show up and they're there, ready to go. Exactly, 
Exactly. So, so we're here, you know, you calling on clients, asking if they're still coming in, whatever it may be, you know, we have a session now, you know, sort of babying someone um, when you signed up to to be a coach, not a not a babysitter. Uh, so that, like I said, that was a massive adjustment, and then uh, Chris got me involved with the schools, and then that was even like a, a bigger adjustment, just because of the fact, like, okay, you got to re-teach or you got to teach. You literally got to babysit. Yeah, you literally got to babysit, and you you have to teach, you know, the the fundamentals of movement. And um, so I was, you know coming in and i was trying to teach the fundamentals of the movement and things like that and then you start realizing that the kids are getting bored and you got to realize okay why are you getting bored you know i'm trying to teach you how to squat how to hinge how to push how to pull how to throw and you know you're a ki- you got to fig- got to remember that these guys are still kids and you know like th- what they think they need to be doing is playing games so let's play games and okay so how am i going to incorporate how to squat, how to hinge, how to whatever it may be, within a game. So that became quite a quite a fun little challenge to do. Um, and then I sort of you you get addicted to the fact of, you know, I want to be helping these kids become better, not only athletically, but you know, this is where you can actually make a difference. As in, you can change their perception of the way they see the world at an earlier age and help them become better humans yeah and ultimately you know we are in the in in the in the sporting industry and things like that but at the same time you know who are you if you didn't help someone become a better human because that's you know you do your sport you're not you you aren't your sport you know the sport is not who you are it's a part of what you do um you know you as a human is exactly who you are so that was a, a a big thing for me. So that's why I wanted to come in and be like, okay, you know, how do I how do I help these kids athletically, but how do I help them become better people eventually? Yeah. Um, and I've I've found it extremely difficult in the sense of we live in this entitled first world country that we live in at the moment, where every Every kid has got a driver, a nanny, et cetera, et cetera, looking after them and whatnot. And, you know, they, they're not used to being told what to do um, or how to do things. And they've always had people do things for them. So that was, uh, again, like, you know, trying to have these kids understand that this is really important, you know. But it, not coming to the gym, coming, coming to the gym is just a, a side benefit. But, you know, do you have goals? Shall we set goals? Shall we help you understand why do you come to the gym? You know, do you like sport? Yes, I like sport. Okay, so this is how we're going to help your sport. Um, so that that sort of aspect, I, I sort of started to, to fall in love with that, that idea of making a difference when it can be made the most. Um, how did you get a kid then? How would you talk to a kid and get them to understand what they're doing in the so i mean it, it all it all varies it all it's all dependent on you know what kind of kid they are so you got to think about okay so what kind of personality type is he or her um you know it it it, it still is very difficult and it forever will be very difficult because you cannot you know go into the gym or go into the court field whatever it may be and be like 
okay, this is what you need to do. Um, and this is why you need to do it. You can do that by all means, but some of the kids aren't gonna aren't gonna click with what you're saying. So it's just trying to understand a kid on a personal level, and I think the only way to do that is to to sh- show some vulnerability from yourself on your side and be like, okay, um, you know, initiate some sort of conversation where you can come onto some sort of an agreement or a, a sort of same sort of wavelength and and connect with a person as a person and then go into it and say okay well you know you you really like like rugby so you know i'm going to help you become a better rugby player not your 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 technical side of things but sort of your physicality side of things let's get you a little bit bigger let's get you faster stronger whatever it may be um to help you improve and eventually get to where you want to be because what do you want to do? Do you just want to become a pro rugby player and you know get the money, get the paycheck, get the girls, get the fame, whatever it may be? Or do you actually want to impact others into saying, okay, I became a rugby player because I want to inspire others to become rugby player, rugby players and sort of fall into that line of work. So just trying to help people understand that there's more to life than just the 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 sport that they play and weight training to be honest yeah it comes back to that same thing doesn't it like that emotional connection with people yeah yeah absolutely just trying to hit people in the feelings so uh, there's there's a funny thing like the first time i ever sort of taught kids i I appreciated the whole idea of reincarnation after that because there was so i was teaching this gems class back when chris was first starting to do it all and there was like, there's this, a group of little giggly girls in the corner. There was a couple of dudes who were just completely spaced out, falling asleep. Yeah. And then there's this one little girl. She was the youngest in the class. She's like 12 years old. And she was there front and center, sat up straight. She was asking like really She's a little blonde girl. Huh? She's a little blonde chick. Uh, she was blonde, yeah. Like little gym. I reckon I know exactly yeah. what you're talking she about. She was asking really intelligent questions and shit. And you, you got the sense like, shit, you haven't, this isn't your first time around doing this. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you've been yeah. alive for 800 years. Like, you're way <laughs> too mature for, like, a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. Like, these guys, they're on their first time around. They don't know yeah. shit. But, yeah. like, you. And ever since then, like, every time I meet kids and stuff like that, or even, you know, other people, like, 18-year-olds, you're like, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, you've been around for a few, yeah, time, yeah, few yeah. centuries. That, it, it's, it's nuts. And uh, it's just, like you say, it's, it's all about, you know, finding that emotional connection. Um and like we were talking about earlier is you don't know what people are going through you know so a big thing is when when these guys come in and you're trying to explain the workout and be like okay let's do this let's do that and there's just someone other in the corner or just sort of hiding behind his buddies doing half reps or not doing all the reps or you know decided to sort of skip out on an exercise and things like that and it's trying to figure out as to why they the way they are um, I think that that's quite intriguing. So trying to actually understand the the psychological part of their their well being, and you know the the what sort of social impacts are are causing them to be the way that they are, and you figure out like he's training a, a kid, and his um, mom was at every single training session, questioning everything that you do and sort of trying to butt in, and you could see the kid likes sports, but at the at when his mom's around he hated sports yeah he didn't want anything to do with any sport and then it's like okay so this is an environmental factor that we need to sort of understand and be like okay well 
let's remove her from the equation and see if he starts to enjoy sport and see if he enjoys movement. So this poor kid is under so much pressure to achieve things. He actually he's achieving nothing. So that that's that's the big thing that we're trying to understand and trying to look at is okay, Johnny over there he's not doing any any work whatsoever. Let's try connect on a sort of emotional level. Um and a lot of coaches, even myself, I've been victim of, you know, you scream, you shout, you're trying to be the dictator of the group and trying to, you know, assert your authority and things like that. And after a while, you realize people don't actually, or kids in particular, don't actually respond very well to that because they get, you know... No one likes being shouted at. No, like. no one likes it. <laughs> and me, when I was younger, I hated being shouted at. That was the Sucks. worst thing in the world. Did Ruin ever shout at you? Yeah, I'm sure he did. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he tried. Um and then you got to think, okay, well, let me get these guys going and let me go talk to Johnny and be like, okay, so what's going on? You know, are you okay today? And uh, uh, That's all it really takes is, you know, the fact like showing vulnerability and showing that you actually care. Kid, kids love that and they'll, they'll connect quite, quite easily, quite quickly. Um, whereas the older you get, it's sort of like, okay, are you okay today? Yeah, I'm fine. You know, kids, they, they want to be heard. Uh, they want to chat, and at the end of the day, I think the the way to create the best sort of buy-in with kid is just to make him smile, or her smile, you know. And then you've got them sold, you know. Just put a smile on their face, show them that vulnerability, show them that you know you actually care on some sort of level, and then the chances are they'll probably do anything for you. you know, so real that's difference between mm. that's the real coach's mentality as opposed to like the instructor's mentality. Um, but cool. Okay. Well, Jake, just give it a quick shout out where people can follow you online and stuff. Sure. What's so uh, you can contact me on sort of any form of social media, Facebook. Well, to be honest, I don't use Facebook that much. So Instagram is probably the best medium to, to get me. Um, JP Performance Coach on, on uh, social media. And more than happy to reply and yeah. chat to people as much as they want you can always reach me on my email as well which is jpstrengthcoach at outlook.com cool sweet right. um, well we'll do this again sometime soon but I know Matt you got to shoot so we'll wrap it up alright thanks a lot guys bye bye thanks bye bye